Unbecoming of Age, the podcast. A cautionary tale. Listen to what they say, then do the opposite. Your hosts, Colin Flynn and John M. Craig. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to episode 131, Unbecoming of Age, the podcast hosted by two guys that have never met each other in real life. I am one of those guys. My name is Colin Flynn, and I live in Iowa. And I am John M. Craig, and uh, I lay my head down a couple of nights a week in Red Bank, New Jersey, and I'm from all around the world, yo. No, not really. I'm just, I'm, I'm from here and there. Yeah, I'm home. I'm quote-unquote home in the XY's pool house. Not working right now. It's been uh, two days since my last uh, job. I worked on Sunday and Monday on Mr. Robot. You, have you seen that show? I have seen a couple of episodes. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, I should have kept up with it. It was one of those things where I watched a couple of episodes and I thought, this is good. And, uh, you know, and then it... Uh, I, I got away from it for some reason and didn't, didn't return. So um, I could start all over and just uh, pick it up and, and, and try to figure it out. So it is uh, the, currently shooting season four here in New York. I'm not in New York, but that's where I work out of when I work on these TV shows. And uh, I, um, I did two days, and uh, it's got this kid. Um, he's, not even a kid he's not even that young. He's, he's uh, 37, Rami, Rami Malik. Okay. And uh, Rami. Academy Award winner. The Academy Award winner. Okay. I knew that he had been nominated. I was pretty sure that he had won, but I did not see, I did not see Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't either. And uh, so, it, uh, it, it, so I'm, I'm on set a short period of time. I show up to this location, and we have, we have a, a I don't remember where we were shooting. Every day is a blur, but we're, we had a base camp area. So we were in this like, um, commuter parking lot. Okay. And that's where all the campers were. So that's where you have the actors, right? So, you know, Christian Slater. So as soon as I pulled up to set, I dropped off the people that I needed to drop off. And then Christian Slater gets out of his van. And I happen wow. to know the driver. Now, Christian Slater is my age, right? He He's turning 50 this year. Yeah. And he's been an actor since he's 12. But he was in Heathers, which is a film that I loved. Um, I don't know if you remember that movie. I mean, yeah. it's sort of Mean yeah. Girls before Mean Girls. But you're a little bit older than me. But I was right in around high school. And then he was also in a movie called Pump Up the Volume. Yes. And he played the this, like, outsider kid, fucked up kid with money moves to arizona and he has this radio show like an underground radio show and he's playing the, the coolest music like the pixies and you know l7 and all all cool shit for that time you were in the radio industry you remember that time right so it was just like right right around the time of of grunge or right before grunge you know probably a smith song a cure song stuff like that and then he was in True, True Romance as well. He was, yes, he was. Right, which is was Quentin Tarantino's first, you know, screenplay. Like I th think it was made after Reservoir Dogs, but it was he wrote the screenplay. So Christian Slater gets out, and I was just like, and he just like nodded his head and said, "Hey, he had a little tiny dog." I was like, "Fucking Christian Slater, he's that fucking Christian. He's a badass, you know." What kind of a tiny dog was it? It was like a Chihuahua. What was it? No, it wasn't a Chihuahua. It had him. It had more hair than a Chihuahua. It was a cute dog. I didn't get a chance to interact with him. You know what I mean? Like, was so now, now there are probably like 10 vans on the job somehow. And the way they do it on this job is we all just kind of line up. Right? You know, some people are on set. Some people are over in base camp. So I line up and I have to be the next van in line. And there's this old timer guy looks like a tiny version of Harry Dean Stanton. And he's got a broom in his hand. And I don't know if he's on the wardrobe truck. I swear to God, and he, he's got this gray hair. And he just, I like, what the fuck was his name? I don't remember his name. But uh, it was like Frankie or Frank. Or it was like an old school New York kind of name, you know? Like he looked the part. Yeah. Central casting. And he was kind of running base camp, you know? He, yep, yep. He, he doesn't know me, right? He doesn't know how many times I've done this job. So he sees me. And all of a sudden, Rami Malik, Malik comes out, you know? And honestly, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. As far as I was concerned, I had never seen this guy act like for even one frame of a movie or a TV show. 
right? Now, and I didn't even realize, I looked him up, he's 37 years old, I thought he was like 25, you know, and uh, he gets in my van, and on other jobs that I've worked in, usually there's a production assistant, hair, makeup, whatever, he just gets right up in there, sits in the front seat, he's like, hey, I'm Rami, hey Rami, John, whatever. Now, the old timer looks at me, and he's got the broom in his hand and a dustpan. And I look at him. Now, my back is to Rami, who's sitting in the front seat. Because now, all of a sudden, they like, wait, wait, just one minute. Christian's going to go with him. So it's just going to be me, him, and Christian Slater. So now he looks at me, and he just, like, turns. And he puts his, his pointer finger up to his mouth. And he goes, shh. In other words, shut the fuck up. Don't talk to him. You know what I mean? Like, you're the driver. Shut your mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, right. That, I mean, that's the rule, but I know that. You know what I mean? Right. No shit. No shit. Like, shit. I know that not everyone knows that, though. Right. I know drivers that have been doing it a long time, and they'll still talk to them and, like, in, initiate conversations. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, the guy's, the guy's sitting there. He was friendly. He's not like, hey, congrats on that uh, that little gold statuette you got there for playing fucking Freddie Mercury. How was it playing a gay dude? You like playing a gay dude? What was that like? That mustache? What about them teeth? You like them teeth? Those crazy teeth? So the guy, but just the way this guy looked at me and he just, he just, like, he didn't shh, but he, he just, like, it was so good. Like, that guy was such, like, I don't even think he was real, right? The whole thing, right, same thing. Right, right, right. So now, now, I don't have a walkie-talkie. There's no production assistant around in the van with me. So I turned to the guy who's on his walkie. Now, I recognize the guy. I had worked with him a few years ago on a show. I knew I had been to lunch with him. He was the second assistant director. And I just said to him, because I had just gotten to set. I didn't even have a walkie-talkie yet. So I was like, I don't even have a walkie-talkie. So he hands me his. I'm like, all right. And then I put it onto channel one, the production channel. And that way, when I roll up the set, I can turn it to channel one. It's like, hey, this is John Craig Transpo uh, pulling up with Rami. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of quietly so that they can receive him. Like, he's a grown-ass man, but you know what I mean? It's like, they still need to know, you know, where he is and when he's showing up. So now I'm like, all right, go, cool. And so this other guy says, the second AD says, follow that van. Now, I didn't see who got in that van. I don't know where that van is going. I assume that that guy did. And that van turns right. I turn left because I was following ways. Because I had already been to set and I'd been going this other way. Now, if that van decided to go somewhere else or decided to go rogue, all of a sudden now, I've kidnapped a fucking Academy Award winning actor and I've shut down Mr. Robot. So I was just like, and Rami noticed that. He's like, I thought you were supposed to follow that van. I was like, yeah, no, but I'm, I'm going to take you to set, and I, I, I'm going to go this way. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you suppose he's worth? Uh, you know, if, if, you had, if you had kidnapped him, if, you, if this had been some sort of an orchestrated plot, they didn't know who the fuck you were necessarily. You, you're John Craig. <laughs> They've got get my a, license and everything, but sure. Getaway driver. You know, you could be the getaway yeah. driver. You could be the, the you know, involved oh, in the kid, <laughs> kidnapping. Every time, I, every time I drive on these TV shows and do anything, it's like my mind is not, believe me, not once have I thought, I will kidnap this actor, you right? Should. And usually there's someone else in the van with me, but it was like, this is the first time I'm in a van now in like upstate New York. We were up by like Nyack and the Palisades and it was just like, and it's just me and this dude who's an Academy Award winning guy. Like it wouldn't get far. Listen, I, this is not how I want my 15 minutes. Like I had no intent to even tell this nonsense, <laughs> but it, the whole thing was, it was, so, so I share, I ended up sharing this with my, uh, my, my cousin, my cousin's uh, husband, Dan, uh, Dan is uh, a pretty, uh, I, I like this guy. He's, he's a good dude. He's funny. Works for the NHL. He's a video editor, whatever. And, and he's, he's got two kids and, uh, He's, he's got a son who's like five and a daughter who's like seven. And the daughter's always been afraid of me. Like, she never liked my beard. She doesn't like me very much, I don't think. Now she might be okay with me, but she used to be afraid of me, which is it's good instincts, really, she, quite she frankly. She doesn't trust you. She, she has a right, 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 right. So Dan texted me today, and I guess like a Queen song came on in the song. So he told the story about John, about John driving the guy who played Freddie Mercury in the Queen movie. Mr. Malik. Right. Mr. Mr. Rami Malik. And uh, so his daughter Gwen said, which John, the one with the beard who thinks he's funny? (laughs) 
<laughs> and he was like, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. And it was just like, I just texted him back, correct and correct. That is yes. right. So yeah, she's absolutely. got a number on me. So nothing happened. It was very uneventful. I worked the two days on this job and uh, it is it is over for me right now. It's highly unlikely I ever work on the show again, considering it's season four. Uh, the last season. So I decided to start watching it. Do you know what this is, this show? Do you know what it's about? Uh, the robot you thing? Yeah, Mr. Robot. Do you know? I'm, I'm trying to remember. As you, as you see, you start talking about it. I know he, he's like a he's a pro- computer programmer. Hacker. He's a hacker. He's a computer he's a programmer and hacker, and he works for a secu- like a private firm that does uh, securities for big companies. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah right, and there's this company, E-Core, which is Evil Corp. And that's what they say in the, in the show, right? Like, it's very surrealistic. So with by the third episode of the show, I realize... Oh, oh, it's Fight Club. It's essentially Millennial Hacker yeah, yeah, Fight yeah, Club yeah. as a TV show. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably, yeah. That's probably and I mean, I love Fight Club. And, but the thing that was wild about the show is it's, uh, it's not a, a network uh, TV series in the sense that it's not ABC, NBC, you know, CBS or, or Fox. It's USA Networks. Right. Which is a cable network, but they still have standards and practices and they still have like, uh, you know, yeah, sometimes they have cursing, sometimes they, this show has full on nudity. I mean, it had one scene with full anal gay sex shot out from the camera was outside of the room, but you could see clearly what's going on, right? Like you're like, holy, whoa. And there are no commercials because I'm watching it on Amazon Prime. So the first three seasons are available on Amazon Prime. So right. it did kind of throw me a little bit. It is a little dark. In, it's dark. It's dark. Yeah. It is. Right. And which it kind of threw me because I'm like, oh, I didn't think I knew that AMC and FX had stuff like that, but I didn't know that you. But I, I guess I guess Netflix, like HBO, Showtime, Netflix, and Amazon have kind of upped the ante with. Other, with the networks yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to compete you know on that it's, level it's interesting you brought up the fight club analogy because because um i i, I happen to see fight club on on the big screen uh, I, I think i've told you this story hold on one second i never invested in an on-air light what is it what is all that <laughs> Sorry. yes kylie i'm recording my podcast what's up she's just giggling now that's not helping you've already interrupted we're nodding her head Oh, hold on one second. I'm going to try to listen to you. Come here, come here. Sorry. Here, Kylie. What's up? I'm going to read this to you. Here, here you go. This is a big part of me. Can you bring my papers, her working papers, to Keensburg tomorrow? That's where she works. Can I have you print my essay for me? Do you have my working papers? The answer is uh, yes. Yes and yes. Email me the essay if it's ready, and I'll print it. So I, I'm confused. She wrote that down on a piece of paper. No, she texted it to me. But my phone is off. Oh, okay. Hold on one second. Speak up. What? Authorization of my age. You you have the working papers. It's all signed off on. I'll explain to you later. <laughs> Sorry, we were talking Fight Club here. Do it I nine. Okay. Mean. Okay. She said that uh, the employer has to do it. I'll help you. She has to fill out like an I nine form. Do you know what that is? Yes. I yeah. yeah. Okay. What, Kylie? <laughs> What's up, Kylie? Kiwi Tui. Get out of here, please. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> right, apparently. England. What? The QE2. The QE2. <laughs> Can we please leave? She's talking about my my ex-wife and I, when my son was born, taking the Queen Elizabeth II ship across the Atlantic Ocean. I have no idea why. All right. Is that, that the ship that's docked now? In, uh, it is docked. That is Long correct. Beach. That Long we. Beach. That's right. It is the ship that is docked somewhere. They it's retired it shortly after Long Beach. we were on. Is that where it is? Okay. Yeah, it's in Long Beach. Yeah. And do people live on it? Old people? Uh, I, it's been there a while, know. quite a while. <laughs> it was quite the interruption. I apologize. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, uh, I've, I've been to the outside of the QE2. I've not been on, okay. I don't think on board, though. But I, I what, yeah. It's a long so that was in 2002. So I was 31, I think I was 30 years old. 
maybe all right. All right. I think and and it was the we were the youngest I'm telling you we were the youngest people on the ship the people that took the Queen Elizabeth II across the Atlantic had to be in their 70s I mostly be, I, I would kind of like very that. odd I would, yeah I would kind of like that uh, the, the long ocean voyage I, I, I think in an odd way maybe I'd like that but uh, maybe not <laughs> I don't know. All right, I, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it, no it was what, weird. What were we? I, yeah, I Fight Club. We were talking Fight Club and uh, oh, I, Mr. I, Robot. Sorry, yeah. I saw Fight Club at a movie theater. Uh, there, there was there's this. Uh, we have a, a, a local theater that it does uh, like second run stuff, and and they had it at a midnight movie thing, and I saw it. You, was this recent? No, years ago, years and years ago, probably like ten years ago at least, uh, and uh, they, they they happened to do it, and I was like, I, I got to go, you know, and I got to see this on the big screen. It was it was fantastic, and uh, so the the same movie theater I went to like uh, two weeks ago, and uh, the guy that that runs the place, he was he was uh, he he comes up and he goes, why haven't you been here? You, he, I, I kind of know the guy, and he, he said, uh, you, you haven't been here in a long time, and I, I told him, I said, well. You know, there's been too many. You know, there there, there are a lot of movies. I, I told them that now that are uh, either uh, some sort of uh, superhero or Marvel or blah blah blah. You know, some sort of cartoon thing. And I'm I'm just not into those movies. Right. And um, so um, that's the the main reason why he, you know I was telling him you haven't seen me. But uh, he said, you know what he, he said what you missed out on. You you just about like a week ago if you if you haven't been here in, in ages. He said what you missed out on was uh, seeing Bohemian Rhapsody. He said it was the best thing to see on the big screen that's been out in in ages he said really yeah he said i've been uh you know he's been showing movies on on at his theater he's got like five screens and Mm -hmm. they've been doing forever and he said it's the only movie lately that he's actually sat down and watched and he said and he's watched it multiple he had seen it multiple how old is this guy uh he roughly the reason I ask is, would he have been a big queen? Fan? Yeah, he, he might have been. He was 55-ish, 60, 55 Yeah, right, 60. right, right. Because, like, my age, for the most part, like, first time around, when, when Another One Bites the Dust was, like, number one that year on the radio, I was probably around 10 or 11, you know? And they were pretty popular back then. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying that pe- they but they probably, like, peaked in like the late seventies, they had another resurgence before he died around Live Aid. You know? uh, and I will have to admit, I was I was uh, around during the whole era, and uh, I had people trying to always talk me into you know you should be into Queen, and I was like, and I would hear it, and I would be like, it, it was always a little too dramatic for me. Well, that's the thing. I think it was a little bit dramatic. You know what I mean? Like it was like there was this, you know, it. it it was very theatrical, right? Very, like there yes. were incredibly talented musicians. Freddie Mercury's voice was ridiculous, but right. there was something a little bit, and it it wasn't just Bo- the song Bohemian Rhapsody and that like it, there was something about it, and it was and it was also kind of like this weird, like it got to a point where it was like a mix of like like pop rock, you know what I mean? Like almost like pop rock disco, you know? Maybe that came from Freddie Mercury's. Lifestyle, I, I, maybe I, I don't I, know. I heard somebody say this week. I heard somebody use the phrase that that was something was deader than disco, and I thought, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> like what? I, I couldn't believe that they they had said that. But um, no, it was you know it was different than that. It was it was it was just uh, you know it was, there, and there were bands in the you know in, in that era where where you had uh, the, there was you know the whole progressive rock prog rock thing, and there was um, you know bands tried to. Um, well, Albums were more of a thing than more than sing, sing, signals, singles, singles, singles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. Were you into Yes? Uh, yes, I did see Yes. Yeah. And you did see them. You were into them because a lot of people didn't like that, or even like Steely Dan, and like like a lot of people don't didn't really get. I, I could never. Into it. I, I couldn't understand why somebody wouldn't like Steely Dan, but I now now I kind of I, I do now. In retrospect, I guess I guess you know I can kind of get that. It was. Uh, I think Steely Dan, as an example, was I think was a little too smart for a lot of people, but um, they, they, but they also had the radio hits, so I don't know. Um, but I, I Queen, for whatever reason, for me was, was a struggle. Sticks, Sticks was like that because of Dennis DeYoung. Dennis DeYoung wanted to be like he he wanted to do like like dramatic musical stuff. Like he was yes. like if you like Mr. Roboto is something very different. I saw Dennis DeYoung. At the Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side, like in the uh, early 2000s, and it was just like, man, it's no wonder why Sticks didn't want him in the band, because it was like he wanted to do something completely different. 
And there were strange concert pairings. I saw Sticks uh, at a concert with Rush. Sticks and Rush. Wow. It was just so fucking uh, bizarrely different. That, uh, but, um, but, but they were both kind of over the top. They had this over the top, you know, theatrical, right. you know, thing that they did that was was, um, you know, not, you know, I don't know. It, it was strange, but. Uh, the way music was. Now, did you see Bohemian Rhapsody, or you didn't see it? I did not see it. No, I, 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 I've not either. And and I, I just, my gut tells me that it's not as good a movie as people that say they loved it. That's that I think it is. At. That's my that's my gut, and that's I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm kind of close at. to it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I don't want to believe, but maybe it right. is. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. And by the way, I I would say that. Um, Rami Malek is is probably worth quite a bit right now, and yeah. he's finishing up. So he's finishing up this fourth season of this show. Um, the guy who created this show, his name is Sam Esmail. I don't know how to pronounce it. E S M A I L. Sam Esmail. Uh, he he's the writer, creator, and director. I think he's directed every episode. Now. Directing every episode of an episodic television series is insane. It's like 12 days of shooting. That's like, basically, he has shot, well, by the time he finishes this, that's four really long movies. Like, I mean, that that's insane. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of work. You know, it, it's got burnout written all over it. I don't know how he handles it. You love, know? love, love of the arts. I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the guy could possibly sleep. You know, I mean, it's, it's like the way. So, you know, remember um, you, you watched Ozarks, right? I did, yeah. yeah. So uh, Jason Bateman was signed on to that to be a producer and a director. He wanted to direct every episode. He did not. I think he did two or three the first season and maybe... Maybe two or three in the second season, but not sure. So because got to be, got to be too much. Work. Well, it's too much. How could he? How could he be in not every scene, but you know, almost every scene? Direct, prep each episode, see all the locations, look at all of like the stuff for production design and you know art direction, and and maintain yeah. a personal life of any sort. I mean, you're yeah. on a job, you're on a job. It's too much work. I mean, all I have to do when I do my job is show up early and drive a vehicle from point a to point b most of the time not doing yeah. anything can you imagine the producers directors uh, oh my god I, it, and again and it's there are no tiny violins for actors and directors and producers i'm just saying it's a lot of it's got burnout written all over it you know i mean and you've got to it's got to be good is it yeah. as good as it was last season? There's a lot of pressure there. You know, yeah. uh, I don't want any part of that. But they're getting but, paid like fucking, you know, Jesus money. They're, they're, they're getting like... Sure, but do you, you ever get a chance to enjoy that? You know, I mean, I don't think it's about the money. I think it's about the... I mean, especially for people doing a project. Like, the idea that you could make a living doing this and work on a project that people enough people like and is somewhat critically acclaimed don't or you allows think, you to make something better, something cool. Yeah, I don't know. I think, cool. the idea, I think the idea is that they do something that they're that they're so totally involved with for for a short period of time, however long that might be, and uh, they and then they uh, you know when they when they they know that okay there's a shelf life for everything, then they walk away from it or 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 they just you know they 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 don't have the ability to be involved with it anymore for for whatever reason, uh, the uh, amount of money that you make off of it. At that particular at that particular moment in time in in Hollywood, especially, it it just it lasts. It carries over, and they they they, they get the whatever the it's so much uh, the the downstroke of the initial money, and then the residuals and all that stuff comes in, and then they sit back and they crawl back in their Hollywood cave and and uh, you know turn into some eccentric old crazy fucker that's living on a mountain in Malibu over the top of the ocean, you know, and everybody's driving out by your gate and leaving flowers for you and all that shit. I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, Quentin Tarantino has has spread out his films. He doesn't make a film every year. He's supposedly done now, right? He, he's going to do. He said he's doing uh, one. No, more he's got one more. I think. I think he's got more than one more. But I think he's definitely. Uh, he's do. There's. Didn't he just direct something that has, uh, or finish up a project that has uh, 
what's his name? Brad Pitt and um, I know he had something. Started Brad Pitt and, and uh, the other one, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, yeah, both those guys really okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think both I of those guys, and it's like this. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's sort of I think paying homage to Hollywood. I think basically one of them plays like the leading man actor Leonardo DiCaprio, and I think um, what's his name plays is uh, Brad Pitt plays his stunt double. Which I'm sure is, is you know unbelievable, um, and I, I've always I've been a fan uh, from day one with his, of, of his stuff. Although I will say I haven't seen everything. There, I've been. I haven't seen the Kill Bill movies. You haven't seen either one of those. No, neither one. Mm -mm. They're they're yeah. You should you should you should. No, I saw the first two Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. And then I saw, I definitely saw the uh, the most recent ones, the the slavery movie. It's not called the slavery movie. It's uh, and, and the Nazi movie, the Nazi movie, the slavery movie. I didn't see the Inglorious Bastards. Yes. I, I saw Inglorious Bastards. I didn't see the, the the cowboy thing, the last one, whatever the hell that was. I did called. see that one. Yeah, I saw that one. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's called. <laughs> Hatefully, I saw that one, and I really wanted to see it in the theaters because it had a, it was a shot on seventy millimeter film. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Sorry, were you playing guitar? Or did it start playing itself? No, no, I was fucking around <laughs> with my phone. I was, I was fucking okay. So, um, that's your phone. What's happening? All right, hang on. Listen, listen. All right. Wait, no, you play. You should play for a while. Uh, no, this is um, so NPR. You know, has uh, tiny desk concerts. Um, yes, is that you playing no, at the tiny desk? No. Um, so there's this local chick that uh, I, I've been aware of, a girl from Iowa City. Her name's uh, Elizabeth Mowen, and uh, she has, for the last couple of years, uh, submitted uh, tiny desk uh, uh -huh. submissions. And, and so um, that's actually I fucked around and I, and I hit her her shit on Instagram, but. Um, so uh, she's submitted to to the tiny desk stuff, and she's very talented. Uh, and uh, I I was okay. And uh, I, I noticed she had, she'd made this post. Um, NPR. They're they're in the, the 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 phase right now where they're asking for people to submit um, non artists that that are, that are, they're not big name stuff. People that just uh, they they have this contest thing where they they say submit your shit and uh, one person, I think it's one one act. I mean, maybe there's more than one, but anyway, they're gonna they're gonna feature somebody and they're gonna actually get a tiny desk concert, somebody that nobody's heard of type. Thing. Did you tell me about this already? Uh, did I? I don't think so. Or did you tweet it or Instagram or anything about this? <laughs> I might have. I I'm having a crazy sense of deja vu, I, or unless I came across someone else that submitted for a tiny desk, and I think it's like I'm so confused. Okay, sure. So this woman, local. Yes. Yeah, so, so she submits. Uh, she did. I know she did last year, and she submitted this year. And then uh, NPR has featured her on the artists we can't quit watching as a part of the contest thing. Okay. So she's she's at least gotten their attention a little bit, and uh, I think she's I think she's pretty good. So as um, I, I go out and uh, start, I go to NPR and I start looking at their um, at their stuff, trying to uh, figure out uh, is she good enough to win this. There are like a million of these people that have submitted to this thing. They, yeah, they have like yeah. they have mm -hmm. so many videos, and I started watching them. And as I'm watching them, I'm like, okay, a lot of them really suck. They're not very good, but they they still put them on the website. But um, a, lot, a lot of them are really good. I mean, they're really really good. Yeah. Right? So if right. she's if she can win, that'd be amazing. But uh, yikes, holy shit! Um, I don't know. Well, we'll see. But I was I just happened to click on her shit and was seeing her there. She's she's good. Um, it's and her her style is. What's her name? Uh, Elizabeth Mullen. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Mullen. How do you spell Mullen? M U L L. M O N M O E N Mullen. Oh, Mullen. M O E N, like the like the the faucet company, the, the yes. bathroom company. Mullen. Yeah. Oh. Elizabeth Mullen. And then is that her 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 social media handles? That Elizabeth is, Mullen. That is, is her stage name. I, I'm trying to remember if she's got on a, Instagram. A, a oh, whatever. Thing on Instagram. She's she's um, like she needs our help. <laughs> Um, it is. Let me look here. Uh, Elizabeth Moen Music. Elizabeth Moen Music. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She is. Uh, she's an attractive girl. She's. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's quite talented. Uh, I like You've her. seen her perform. I have not seen her perform. I, I've just only okay. seen the seen the video. How are you aware of her though? Just because uh, she's local. Local Iowa City thing, and uh, so mm -hmm. yeah. 
I got picked. We picked up tickets this week to uh, a couple of shows. Uh, she actually has a show in September that I may go see, uh, which is uh, as soon as you get tickets for that. We picked up tickets this week for, um, uh, and this is going to be interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see uh, the the barn place that I've that I've talked about, the uh, Codfish Hollow place. I'm gonna go see uh, with Rachel in uh, in June. We're going to see, and I'm. I'm uh, I'm not sure how this is going to work out for me personally because I don't know what to expect. But Ani DeFranco. Is, yeah, I like I like Ani DeFranco. I, I like Ani DeFranco too, but I'm I'm for some reason I'm a little I'm a little frightened. I'm a little thinking. Why? Because she's fifty now. She's fifty-ish, but there's going to be a lot of angry lesbians. That's not true. They're not that way anymore. Some of them actually gave birth. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, like some of them were like, they, 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 you know what I mean? I mean, look, they don't want their president saying grab them in the pussy, but that's reasonable. I mean, nobody wants their president to say that like anywhere. You know what I mean? Like we don't, you're not like a borscht belt comedian, fucking old school. You're just an old 72 year old piece of shit. Like look, they're not going to be angry lesbians. Okay. It's, it's, you're not going in a time machine to the fucking Lilith fair. <laughs> just because you were in radio with a mullet <laughs> around the time of the original Lilith there. And, That's exactly what I'm thinking. And, and there were chicks with fucking underarm, har- underarm hair who wouldn't fuck you at a fucking Grateful Dead concert doesn't mean that they're all fucking angry lesbians anymore, Colin. <laughs> Jesus Christ, woke. Become woke, motherfucker. <laughs> just go see Ani DeFranco. I, I, yeah, I got tickets. So I'm looking at her picture and I'm going, I wouldn't even recognize her. She doesn't even look like old angry... Ani DeFranco, no. you know, she, she, she doesn't. She 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 looks like she she's got hair and she's she she does she looks like she's given birth and she's not as mad as mad at me. But I'm afraid that there will be people there that are. At, at yeah. your age, as skinny as you are, at five foot eleven, one fifty-two, whatever the fuck you weigh, with your fucked up ticker, you look more like an angry lesbian than these fucking chicks from the early nineties look like angry lesbians. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, to that, to that, uh, I have new glasses coming that I think will will, I, will I help you. Will help me. I, I you don't. might get laid. <laughs> By another angry lesbian. <laughs> they couldn't. Uh, uh, there'd be no me too moment. That movement. They'd fucking for you, for you at all, uh, because they would just think you're one of them. Just drive a Subaru Outback. <laughs> uh, uh, so it, it, it's going to be interesting. So. I mean. I like that would which one is Ani DeFranco? Is she the one big fish, little fish, women in the water? That one? Uh, did she? I don't know. I don't know all her music. I, I know um I like it is that one. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. She's, she's badass. She's great guitar. She used to be. She she really is. I know. I think she's still. She's a great guitar. She does that. You know, real staccato. You know, she does this a uh, lot of you know hammer on technique with this guitar thing with acoustic guitar, and uh, I don't know. She's. Uh, I think she's. Uh, she uh, well. She said she was. Uh, she's not. She's not just lesbian. I think she's. Uh, she's not a lesbian, is she? She's bisexual. Is she British? Mm, no, I don't believe so. Oh, maybe I was thinking of P.J. Harvey. I think okay. I was thinking of P.J. Harvey. I still know. Who, so I used to know who Ani DeFranco is. No, I'm not going to take all that back. It's the same. It's all. They're all the same. Like, <laughs> it's just like this whole like genre of music that was like there was a, a chick from Brooklyn, or she lived in Brooklyn at the time. She was Brenda K. Khan or something like that. She didn't get as popular as Ani DeFranco or P.J. Harvey. <laughs> Okay. But they're all, it's all really good. I mean, I liked it. I was so into it. Any 90s uh, angry sort of, uh, uh, you know. Like, a, like Alanis Morissette was the most, she oh. became like the most poppy one of them all. Right, you know? right, right. Who, who's the, I'm trying to think of the chick with the uh, really angry music with it. She had really crazy green eyes. Um, God, what the hell was her name? Um God, now can can I think? I, I, no, well, there was four non-blondes, right? They were another one. They got pretty popular. Elsa, but you're thinking of a, a female artist, want just by herself? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, hmm. I, should, I should know this. Uh, oh, Marin talked about her. His his. Uh, you, we, we, you and I were just talking about the thousandth episode, and his uh, producer was talking about the. Um, he was talking about his editing skills, and uh, one of the episodes that he had edited. Uh, um, it wasn't Amy Mann, not Amy Mann. She's no, no, a little no. bit no, pre '90s no, no. <laughs> lesbian rock. I can't. Remember. Um, 
But yeah, no, no, it wasn't a Tracy Chapman. Didn't have green eyes, right? No. Uh, she wasn't angry, was she? I don't know. No, she was pretty chill. I she think. may have been Lebanese as well, though, right? <laughs> Probably. I don't remember. Uh, I'm trying to think of other artists. There was, there was another one. Who was the one with the, uh, not the Divinals, but there wasn't. Wasn't there one? I don't know. There was another female artist, not Tori Amos. Tori Amos, that's who I was. No, Is that who you're no, thinking no, of? No, 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 I'm not no, no. Tori Amos. Like yeah. Tori Amos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> I, I, I this is great. Two old white dudes try to remember Tori, like really Tori. talented female mu musicians after just calling them le angry lesbians. Like Tori Amos. I just Googled mm. like Tori Amos to see what would come up. <laughs> you, you know, I, I wish we did that live because then I could just get a text from uh, Matthew Cunningham and, and he would just tell me. Like, He's going to be yelling at his... <laughs> Why can't you guys come up with this? And he listens at this. He must be on speed because he listens to this at like four times speed. I just, remembered, I just remembered it. It's Fiona Apple. Or it's who I Fiona. I love Fiona Apple. Yes. No, no. Seriously. Like, I like, I, I love, like, she, yeah. You got to yeah. realize though. You got to realize though, if you right now ran into Fiona Apple, you know what would happen? She would beat the shit out of you. She would punch you. No, she's badass. She's awesome. I really did like Fiona Apple a lot. That's what I'm saying. She would beat the shit out of you just for being John Craig with your beard. She would be like, God. Why would she beat the shit out of me? Because she's, she's fucking Fiona, Fiona Apple. I'm telling I don't she, think she's like that anymore. She's, she's fierce. She was fierce. She was very fierce. There, she has a, she has a Zach Galifianakis before he was like big, before he was in the, um, the Hangover movies. He's, they were friends somehow. Right. Really. And he is in one of her music videos. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. This is like after her first two big albums, right? So she had like that title album, like it was called Title T I D A L, I think. And then there was another one after that that was pretty big. And then, right, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it could have been in like the early two thousands. He, it's the whole video is them just hanging out for the day, and he's lip syncing her song. <laughs> So he's just like the characters that he played when he started to get famous. Yeah. And he lip syncs so well. And it's it's really quite a good and fun video. I don't know who directed it, but it's good. It's oh, worth not, it's yeah. worth Googling. Uh Fiona Apple, Zach Galifianakis, and uh it's fucking great. Yeah, I would love to see her. She would be, uh, yeah, out of all the, I think from that era of of people, you know, you mentioned Alanis Morissette, who I think she was, it was okay, but Fiona Apple, she was badass, man. Yeah, she was, she was good. By the way, speaking of this this time and genre of music, I've talked about the Beastie Boys book, right? I told you about it. You did. It, yeah, it came out a few months ago. It's just called the Beastie Boys book. Good title. Um, and uh, it's giant. It's like a textbook. The photo are great a lot of photos by uh, spike jones the director because that he was pretty tight with the beastie boys around that time and uh i ended up i ended up um buying the uh the audiobook and a lot of the chapters most of the chapters are, are read by either adam horowitz ad rock or mike d mike diamond but they've got will ferrell Tim Meadows, Maya Rudolph, like uh, John Stewart, like a lot of these like these people who are like you know around my age, your age, in between, a little bit younger, who were giant Beastie Boys fans. And I'm telling you, this book, I, it's really quite good. And I knew that the Beastie Boys to me, I I, I loved, uh, I I liked the first album a lot, which is when they were with Def Jam with Russell Simmons and. Um, and uh, Rick Rubin. But they were these really smart, like just affluent, smart, well-educated white boys, right? Jewish boys from New York City. Went to private schools and whatever. And they were into punk. They were crazy hardcore into punk. And they were making punk music and making noise. And then they kind of got into hip-hop. They kind of got bored with punk. They shifted. And then they ended up becoming like frat boy, like top 40 because they were white and you could market it and it was the right time for them but they pushed away from that and had a big falling out with rick rubin and uh and what's his name and uh russell simmons moved to la shifted did paul's boutique they picked up their instruments again it's it's really quite fascinating they became like they were making fun of frat boy rock you know and frat boy music and that whole culture but then they became the thing that they hated you know, and they're similar to 
what's his name, Tarantino, like that they didn't make an album every year. They kind of took a little bit of time from the first album to Paul's Boutique, a couple of years. So they didn't do an album every year, every two years. It became every one to three years, four years. But man, they were ahead of their time in so many ways in terms of what they were doing. And it's, it's, it's an entertaining book and the audio book is worthwhile. I highly recommend it if you are a Beastie Boys fan or early hip hop rap fan. You know, I, I would uh, I would definitely listen to it, even though I you know I can't say that I was uh, over the top Beastie Boys fan. I, w- I was like a peripheral Beastie Boys fan. I, right, right. I was, was kind of in and out of the out of the whole thing a little bit. I, I would I would have to admit. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of there's a lot of it that I like, and after listening to this, I like it even more. And I kind of like a lot of the stuff that they made and stuff that I didn't even know. And I, I, there were times that they're talking about some of their music and their samples and referencing stuff. And it's like, I popped on, uh, I think it was Hello Nasty. And I like, I listened to the thing that they sampled. And I was like, I, I heard the song completely differently. It was like, I heard music in the song because I listened to the source sample that I had never heard before. Hmm. Right. It was pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's worth a listen if you were a Beastie Boys fan and, and that time in music, uh, particularly the early days of sort of rap hip-hop before everything changed. Yes. And something else. So, so how's, how, how's, uh, how's things? How's, how's your health? How's your heart and life and work and feeling such. pretty feeling pretty heart healthy the uh the biggest uh, uh sort of uh thing that's going on right now with me right now is uh getting the uh hard press from uh wife and kids that uh they would like to uh everybody's uh, kind of gotten on the the uh bandwagon of they they would like to uh, they would like to move everybody uh, wants to move move they want they want to not so much move but they, they want to upgrade they want to find a uh, bigger batter house is what the uh huh. the latest push has been how did this happen so um you know when you have when you have uh two teenage girls and uh a uh, you know there's four of us in the house and uh, we have two bathrooms one on the basically there's one in the basement one on the upper level not right not one on the main level uh, there's a lot of bathroom uh, fighting, I guess. Not fighting, but there's there's a lot of bathroom, sure. bathroom competition happening, and uh, the, the the idea that the kids are going to be around. We we pretty much have uh, I figured out that Tori, who is Tori, is sixteen, right? She's 16. She just turned sixteen recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's a sophomore she's in a high sophomore, school. Sophomore, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and Zoe she, is is younger, right? Yeah, 14. Zoe's fourteen, and so and she's eighth grade. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, um, good, good recall. All right, so um, Tori is uh, is in all likelihood going to be, uh, I would guess, around here for going to the local community college, probably for a uh, at least a year. Uh, uh, okay, you just know that about your daughter based on where she is academically and who she is, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, exactly, exactly. Right. So, um, and I was just reading about the academics now for, um, uh, and I, I was kind of. Uh, there's a lot of state schools even now that the academic requirements are getting tougher for because uh, they're having uh, um, they're they're not as profitable is what's going on and so they're, they're mm-hmm. they've raised the academic standards a little bit because they're trying to uh, they're they're scrambling trying to figure out um, mm-hmm. uh, what they need to do to try to. Um, and try to get a, the, the right amount of students in based on what the the, the state college can do. Um, so uh, at any rate, um, she is going to be at the uh, uh, community college level, I would guess, for a junior college type thing for at least a year, and uh, she'll be at home for a while. So you know, we're just trying to figure out a, a strategy. If if those two are going to be uh, kind of in their own world, how could we do that? It would be better if we had a situation where, and in the Midwest, everybody has basements. Ideally, if you had a basement environment where you had a bedroom or two downstairs and they had kind of had their own level of living with their own mm-hmm. bedroom that would be ideal which doesn't exist in the uh, structure of the house we have now That's do you ro- do you have room on the property or room around the house to do any sort of extension that's cost effective I, you know that that is uh, something I've, I've considered uh, the idea the um, I'm not sure <sighs> 
you don't want to be the most expensive house on the block if you do sure, something like of course. that. So it'd be kind of a um, we're in a we're in a, a neighborhood where if you go one direction, there's some really uh, um, old. Uh, when I say old, older like hundred year old houses that are really uh, very expensive, just a couple blocks away. And if you go a couple blocks in the other direction, um, same thing. We're kind big of, mansion or newer or different? no old old stuff. Old stuff. Not, not big mansion. And what about your what about your neighborhood, your block? like your area we we have sort of a, where there's a block and the block that we live on is sort of uh e- even though it's uh it's kind of in the middle it's sort of a little bit i would say it's a little bit sort of transitional and that not all the houses on this block in particular are uh super expensive uh, by any means but um the, uh on, on there, there's a couple we're in the middle we're sandwiching between a couple of more old uh but expensive neighborhoods um what year was your house built do you know 19, roughly 1925 okay 25 all right all right this house the not the house that i'm in not the pool house but the house was built in 1908 1925 that's that's a not a new house no right but uh and and is is there you said there is a basement there is a basement. The basement is uh, not uh, of a shape and configuration where you could really develop that and turn right. it into extra space, per se. What about room on the property, though? Room on the property is potentially there. I mean, is- what about your What about your podcast studio, your little hang room? Is that exclusively yours? Is it multi-purpose? What's it the story? It is exclusively me. Yeah. How big is it? It is uh, about, uh, I would guess, 12 by... 20 maybe something no, it's a nice size yeah yeah so uh, not that you would ever do this but and, and, I'm, and kind of, this is have you considered the possibility of a separate structure with property that could replace that room and then do something with this room and i'm, I'm only saying this is i saw a neighbor's house here and they they have lumber on their property, and then I just saw something that looks it doesn't look like shed. It looks like a writer's retreat room, like this cool space in a back corner of the property. And I'm like that. I'm kind of into this idea of a small structure. I mean, I live in the pool house, you know. Um, it's not mine, but I was like, we don't seem to do that a lot. Now I, I don't know if there's a return on that investment. <laughs> But right, it right, seems right. like you can do it with the exception of, of running water and electricity, you can do it fairly cost effectively. Yeah, that would be the challenge is, is, is that part of it. But the, the other part of it here still on this end is trying to incorporate uh, more bathroom stuff. But um, mm, right, right. It's, you know, maybe. I mean, I'm not pushing for it and I'm not pushing for you to give up your space. If Because if, sometimes you end up, depending on where you live, the neighborhood you're in, the schools, the taxes, et cetera, you look and you go like, I don't know, is it worth, what can we get for this house and what are we going to get for the money to get the new house? You know, right, and right. what are we going to gain versus what are we going to lose? Right. Yeah. Do you lose neighborhood? You lose people in the neighborhood. Yeah. You lose all that right, stuff. Right. So now, how long have you been in that house? Uh, thirteen years. Thirteen years. So the entire time that your kids have been alive. Yes, pretty much. And yeah. you, 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 most of your relationship with your wife, right? Yes. A little bit long. A little bit shorter than the relationship. Yeah. For the most part, it's this has been it. Yeah. And all three of the women are on on board. Your wife Rachel and the no, girls. Right now, right now, they're they're seeing you know they're seeing bigger bathrooms and and all that stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, it's sounding sexy to them. So, you know, I'd I'd have to uh, reposition it and try to come up with some sort of a alternate plan, which I've kind of I, I've been floating that idea a little bit. But uh, how do you feel about it? Mixed. Um, mixed you know i in some uh, instances it would be you know uh, the way i look at it is this okay i think probably we would end up moving twice uh and uh, i had kind of in my brain that it, if you're saying for the rest of your life most likely you'll end up having to move twice yes probably. if this move if this move happens and goes through if there's another not another solution that and you didn't necessarily count on or look at that part I at this see, point of your yeah, life i would see uh, the the idea that we would upsize for space and then uh at a certain period of time, uh, then, uh, okay, so you go five, seven years down the road, then all of a sudden wanting to downsize or potentially just get the hell out of Dodge completely and, and go to uh, someplace uh, perhaps more southern and warm or, or, you know, move to New Orleans or something. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I mean, based on talking to you for 131 plus hours plus the time off air, 
I would I would have thought that that would be the move for you, that you'd want to go down to New Orleans or somewhere a little bit warmer, a little bit hipper, kind of, not that there's anything wrong with Iowa, Iowa City, that area, so you wrap into the whole thing, but, you know, something a little different. Well, yeah, the main thing that's wrong with this is it gets cold as fuck. But, uh, right, right. You know. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I, I, you know, moving, moving is such pain. It's just such, you know, it's, it's it is. How much stuff do you have? Do you have a lot of stuff? Not you personally, stuff. just like your stuff. Like There's that seems way like it's manageable. Much, way too much stuff. I think anytime you try to move, you get, you got stuff. I was looking at the garage or, you know, and I was like, just tonight was out there and I was looking around going, yeah, God, there's just so much shit here, you know. We, you know, and I've tried to, you know, some people are, are kind of minimalist about that kind of stuff, but I've got shovels and rakes and, you know, all the outdoor crap. Right. Um, you know, tools and blah, 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 blah. Could I get rid of all of that without, you know, uh, without angst? I absolutely could. You know, you see these these TV shows where you've got, you know, uh, the, the American Pickers or somebody's out doing their, their you know, they're stopping and, uh, you know, trying to talk somebody out of their shit. Would they have a, a, a tough time talking me out of my shit? Uh, not that it's a value, but uh, no, I, I would you, So you don't have any fond memories or stories about your rakes? No, I was, you know, you can have my rake. Yeah, you, you can talk me out of the rake. That's good. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah, it's bizarre. But um, hmm. I, I'd rather not move twice. I, I would, you know, that, that's, I would rather not move once. I, I'm just not into the idea of moving. It just doesn't sound exciting to me. So my, I guess my plan this summer is I'm just going to keep, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, uh, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna put up a, a pizza oven outside this this summer. It was it was on my for real? Yes, for real. Uh, and I've got uh, most of the materials kind of gathered for it. Uh, Build it yourself? Yes, mostly. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna do it. Yes, that's that's my plan. And it may turn out like complete shit, and I'm gonna want to get rid of it. Who knows? But uh, I think I've got the, I, I think I've got the wherewithal. I think I can make a a, a, a decent pizza oven outside. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens after you know with everybody's everybody's attitude after that. If I start making pizzas outside, um, who knows? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> That's adorable that you think a pizza oven might want, want make them want to stay. It's about the bathrooms, man. It's about the bathrooms. Does does the pizza oven have a have a shower? Uh, if I and have a big, door. Big sh- yeah, that's what I need is a big shower. How can I do that? How can I? Yeah, I gotta come up with that. Well, outdoor shower doesn't work there because the winters. It doesn't. It doesn't help at all. Um, so yeah. there's no room to put into. So is is there a bathroom on the ground floor? Uh, there's a bathroom up. How many stories are you? So two stories. There's a bathroom upstairs and a basement. There's not a bathroom on the main level. There's a bathroom in the basement and. Uh, and and what's below the bathroom upstairs? What space is below that? Uh, the kitchen is below the bathroom. Mm. And the kitchen is relatively small? Yeah. Uh, we have blown it there. Well, we didn't do it, but the people that own the home before us blew out a wall in an older home. So we, we have uh, as open a floor space as you could get on this type of ho- home. Right. So they've they blown out a wall in between the what was the kitchen and the dining room, and that's kind of all open now on one side. The one side of the house is all one, one uh, kind of shotgun sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, and is the basement, the basement bathroom, is there a shower down there? Yes. With a pump? Yeah. There's a shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. But it's, it's in the basement. And so that's, and there's not enough room for both of the kids down there. So. Right. I'm just not into the, into the double move. I, I've got to come up with a plan. Got to come up with a strategy. Something different. But I haven't figured it out yet. And and you can't you can't go up. There's no room to uh, do an extension upstairs. There actually is some room upstairs. That's another possibility that we have a uh, our third third level attic is uh, it's there. But there we would have to re-engineer uh, how to get up to it exactly a little bit. It uh, you know, mm. there, there's there's challenges. Yeah, we, we when when I was still uh, a part owner in this house and married, my ex-wife and I were talking about the possibility of uh, going up uh, to the attic and doing like a, what do you call those types of roof? Like a mansard roof, you know, where it's sort of like you know how the um, the Adams family house, where it's sort of a flat roof and yeah, then sort yeah, of yeah. like slopes down on each side. I'm not really describing this well. 
not an architect and I'm not good with words despite having a podcast and talking a lot. Um, Yeah. And and we talked about that and then I don't think we ever did any plans for that. And then eventually we built the pool house and then we got divorced and then I moved into the pool house. Really? That was how she planned it. Um, So, you know, with these older houses, you you get kind of locked in to what you can do limitations you know what what does the town allow and then what is it going to cost and are you ever going to get a return on that not really in in you know unless you live in like a if unless you live in a place like san francisco new york city where los angeles where like there's an appreciation for location you know right yeah exactly there's there's some homes in this in this neighborhood that have uh, they've done some weird additions to there's there's a place down the street that's for sale right now that's uh, actually listed for I believe um, it's like 600 grand um, and I would they, imagine that's a lot for the area uh, there's there's some around here that are like that six seven hundred thousand that are there were that are within um, less than a half mile from where I live and uh, they uh, all have some sort of something going on now. The place I was just re- referencing, they they built a like a, it was like a recording studio they built onto this place, and uh, it's quite gorgeous. But uh, you know, where do you find that buyer? So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just it's kind of weird. So I, I, I got to be careful about you know what we you know as far as like trying to um, turn this into something that it's. Did not. this come out of nowhere? No, I don't think so. I think there are, there's kind of Grumbli- there have been grumblings about it. No, I just think they're all just trying to figure out uh, how to come up with cooler space. So if you if you took the equity that we've got in this house out of it and were to move to some different neighborhood and apply that, you know, we're going to end up with more more house, but it's going to be a different uh, a different type type of thing, and uh, got to move to get there. And not that the equity. Your equity is always going to be there at some point, probably, you know, which is the weird thing about owning a house. You know, at whatever point you decide to cash out, okay, um, do you uh, carry that into the next house or you just try to – in my brain, I was always thinking that the money ends up, uh, you know, going – forward to it just leaving and going to a, uh, a completely different uh, environment altogether like i said like going to new orleans you know if i was going to sell my house and you know, right but that's not really much of an option with the age of the girls and where they are in terms of school right i mean i would imagine they'd both want to finish out yeah i mean so you got Tory, friends yes. life high school yeah. etc you've got one that's uh See, and this is this is the conundrum I think that people get into when, when they're when they're uh, my age and you get kids this age. Okay, how much money do you want to? Um, how much do you want money? Do you want to try to extend for them to for their for their uh, college education? Uh, how much money do you want to uh, put on the line? You know that uh, to the detriment of your of your own um, you know your your own ability to move forward. And I've seen some people. I just had this discussion with a friend of mine. She was talking about. Uh, 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 he's got a son that is uh, going. He, he had a uh, he had a baseball scholarship to go to a school, which uh, he got injured. The baseball scholarship doesn't exist anymore, and uh, he's uh, going to this uh, college that um, is very expensive, a small private school, and uh, they're paying through the no- nose now to uh, keep him in this college, and uh, it's. Quite frankly, it's not a college that anybody's going to give two shits about uh, later if he tries to put this on a resume and say, I've got a degree from there uh, as compared to a state school. Nobody, nobody's going to care. They, they really won't, but it's it's twice as expensive. Um, they're uh, in a situation now where they're uh, spending as much money as they can to keep him there, uh, which is uh, all of their, basically all of the money they have, I guess, uh, the extra, extra money that they have. They're, they're, they're going to... Um, it's it's hurting them to to put to to keep him there. I, I guess is the point I'm I'm trying to make. They're upside down in his education. He and will he make enough money at any point in his career ever to make up for this? And the answer is absolutely no, absolutely no. He he will not make enough money no matter what the fuck he does to ever make the money back to um to make this uh, worth their time and effort to keep him there. So why are they doing this? I, th- I think for the most part, it's, uh, it's I, 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 th- I think they're doing it so they can tell people that he's, that he's going to school there. And um, other than that, um, 
they're they're completely fucking themselves in the ass <laughs> over this thing, uh, to be quite frank, uh, to keep him there, and uh, at their at their own financial uh, uh, detriment. So you, you as parents, you get into that situation where you start looking at you know how much money should you how much should you be helping out kids? How much money uh, potentially if they're going to become and and this is a strange new phenomenon. Um, we have people that are. We used to talk about being upside down in a car, being upside down in a house. There are, there are kids now. There are there are uh, lots of situations where people are upside down in their education. They paid more for their education than it's ever possibly going to be worth. And I've been about, saying this for years, and I mean I'm serious about it. And the idea of anyone going to a a, a you know a non-state college or community college that are not ready for it and can't afford it whether it's the family or whatever the loans are going to kill them they shouldn't be there right. they should get some life experience because you're not going to get the most of it no you're not no. likely to i mean there and there's value in education in higher education sure. particularly going away for the first time and and learning from your peer group rather than your parents and the community that you live in and that's a great experience but is it does the cost outweigh you know that experience can you get that experience in other ways and i'm not a proponent of of not getting a higher education but i think the cost and it's gone way above inflation now i haven't looked at those studies but it fucking crazy no it has it, it absolutely yeah. has you know and and this is not just people who are educated this is you me and not just because we're getting older it's not millennials faults but it's like for the most part the corporate culture and where we're at right now is like unless you're in a really strong union or somehow you've worked for some small company that is successful makes money and takes care of you the only way to really make money and to get more money is to leave your job go to another company maybe you go back to that other company that you work for but if you if you meet someone now who's in their 30s or 40 and, and they've been working for a company for more than 10 years going on 20 years and it's not a big corporation for you're like what who are you how does that happen right you know it's a different world and culture we live in yes and you know there's a handful obviously of uh, of uh, you know the uh, upper echelon of ivy league schools where probably there is there are connections that are made there and the the, the ability perhaps for you to um move ahead in, in a career path that uh, having had been to you know, if you attended uh, wherever, you know, Brown University or, or Yale or Harvard or whatever, um, where it's going to behoove you to to have gone there, um, in you know, as you as you're searching, be, you know, for for a job, it's going to help you. But you know, for the millions of uh, or, or tens of thousands, let's say, of small uh, private schools uh, that exist, and you know, you're on the East Coast, they're all over. God, there, there's there's thousands of them that are out there that are that are great schools, I'm sure, but you know to have a uh, you know a, a history degree from some small school that uh, is uh, super expensive as opposed to going to you know some state school it just makes no sense at all it, you know, it really and for parents to be investing in that fuck you know come on you know you, I, I understand what you're trying to do uh, but you got to be smarter uh, everybody's got to be smarter about that at some point and uh you know, there's there's some of that I think probably going on. I you know the the fact that these people the people I was talking about were having this conversation they knew, you know as they're saying it out loud they're they're shaking their head and you know thinking what are we doing this this is not making sense. Uh, you know if the kids got a, if the kids got some sort of a uh, uh, you know some sort of a, uh, a free ride some sort of a scholarship then then that's that's one thing but. Um, other than that, fuck that shit, you know. Even with money and and scholarship, it's it's still expensive, you know. I mean, unless oh, yeah. it's like a like a full ride, which uh, I don't know how often that happens. I don't know. I'm not quite there yet with my kids and the neighbor kids. I don't really know the deals. I know the kid across the street who I can't imagine his family would be eligible for any sort of financial aid. Not sure that he would be eligible for any loans. I think he got some scholarship money. Boston College, smart kid, did well in the SAT. And like, I, you know, but I have no idea. I don't know if he's keeping his grades up because a lot of times with some of those scholarships, you have to maintain a certain grade point average. Right. You know, so I don't know. Cameron, my son Cameron, he went to visit his first two schools, uh, 
Colgate, which he didn't want to look at, but it was really close to the other school that he really wanted to look at, which is Cornell. It's, it's Cornell is an Ivy League. It's in upstate New York, in Ithaca, New York. It's a beautiful campus, beautiful right. school. Yeah. It is challenging. Like the like Brown is the most like not so much liberal, but like sort of lax of the Ivy Leagues, as far as I know. I mean, I know this is what I gathered from friends that graduated from there. Brown's in you Pro- can make Providence, up your own Providence, right? That's in Rhode Island somewhere. I don't know if it's yeah, in Providence proper, yeah, is, but is, uh, I've not been to the campus. But I, I, I had a friend. Uh, he's still a friend who graduated from there. Yeah, it's Providence in the early '90s, and uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was just a little bit more, you know. Like Cornell was, and it was a stressful, competitive environment, and it, I didn't get that impression from my friend who went to Brown, and maybe that was just his circle of friends. But I think you can like make up your own major if you wanted to, you know. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, Providence uh, Brown, it's you know, it's beautiful. I, I, I've been, mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. on that campus; it's 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 gorgeous. Um, there's all sorts of, like I said, the East Coast. Uh, there's all sorts of universities like that. There, I, I'm trying. Is it Connecticut's? Connecticut University is there's University of Connecticut UConn yeah yeah but Connecticut University is, is I don't know uh, that it's one a, it's private uh, uh, well it's gorgeous it's like unbelievable it's mm-hmm. and uh, super expensive like like unbelievably expensive like hundred grand a year or some shit like that ninety grand a year um, would you leaving there would you potentially have the connections to make that worth worth the investment going there I, i'm sure potentially that could happen but for most people uh no i'm for most of the kids that are there no and then and then there are kids that are going there they're they're, they're all these schools excuse me all these schools there's kids at those places that are fucking doing bong hits and, and not and don't they're not even going to class you know they're like fucking around uh for a period of time it's like could you imagine those parents holy shit it's like what in the world? It would suck. Is there a place where is there a college like continuing education college that like fits the description of all these places with a beautiful campus, northeast, beautiful fall where I can do bong hits? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Let's let Mr. Big Voice take us out. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Unbecoming of Age. Bonus content at unbecomingofage.com. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Find us on social media at Unbecoming of Age. And sometimes when we talk...